Welcome to Second Cherry, almost a Eurovision podcast. This week, we travel to Iceland. Hello, and welcome to Second Cherry. I'm Monty. And I'm Matt. And this is the podcast that revives the songs that didn't make it to the Eurovision Song Contest. And each week, we take you through a different country's national final and pick the cherry that we think deserves a second chance, a second bite of the cherry. At the end of the series, you, the listeners, vote for your favourites. At our live event, we crown the winner of the Second Cherry Song Contest. Hello, everyone. We're still here. (laughs) (laughs) Still locked down. Still here. Kind of locked down, isn't it? Do you call it lockdown still? I don't know. It's kind of easing a little bit, isn't it? Well, the people that you can see out and about clearly don't. Yeah, I mean, I can't complain about that because by the time you listen to this, um, after we record this, not straight after, but a couple of days after, um, we'll have been to the pub. Oh, yes, of course. (laughs) We're going to the pub on Saturday or... We were in the pub on Saturday. Depending on what carnage ensued, <laughs> there may be a second cherry episode next week. <laughs> so yeah, so we're um, we're, we're plugging along. Um, we've been we've been planning these episodes quite well because you know we've had time to. So well, I have, you have, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, no. So this week we are, as Monty says, in Iceland, and uh, I'm really excited about this one. So let's get into it. So, the Iceland national uh, selection is Song Verketnin, which I don't know how long it's been running for, actually. It's been a while now, hasn't it? Oh, yeah. They, uh, they've used that format for a long time. I don't know if it's the original name for it, like Melody Festival is the original name for um, the Swedish selection. But yeah, it's yeah. been a long time. So, it took place on February the 29th at Lagerdal Show in Reykjavik. Um, two rounds of voting with this national final. So you've got the first round, which is 50% televote and 50% international expert jury. And then a super final where the top two songs carry their votes over and then they slug it out for the win, basically. Uh, and that's televote only. Um, and so I, I, I always look to Iceland and the national final because not playing favourites, but... I always have my fingers crossed that they're going to pick a great song because it's just one of those countries I just want to do well every year. For no particular reason, I just want them to do well every year. I think that's quite common amongst the fandom. There's a bit mm. of a soft spot for Iceland. And there's something... I've not been to Iceland, but it's it's way up there on my list. And it has been for years. And I'm not really sure why I've not made it happen yet. I'm a little bit um, cautious... Because everybody says Reykjavik is very sulfuric and I'm overphobic, as oh, you know. Yeah. So the thought of going on holiday and the entire place smelling of eggs is not <laughs> my idea of fun. <laughs> but I would put up with it. It can't be that bad. It can't be that bad. It can't be that bad. But I would put up with it because it just looks gorgeous. I mean, the whole thing just looks beautiful. And the, the landscape and getting out to... You know, places like Iafjallajökull, that little <laughs> volcano thing that erupted. When he's saying that, because I learned how to say it, kind of. There'll be some somebody Icelandic can write it and say I pronounced it wrong. <laughs> but yeah, I really this. Uh, yeah, 
people really have Iceland in their hearts when it comes to Eurovision. They've come close once, second, no, twice they've come second. But well, no, they, they did get a win in 2020 with... <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe they would have got a win. I mean, this is the thing. I think it's, it's so bittersweet. I mean, I know we can't say with any certainty what would have won Eurovision this year, but there's something about the momentum that built up about Dathi Freya and I think it would have been the winner. Yeah, I, I, I think so as well. When you've got that sort of, yes, it's momentum, you're right. The way that Toy did, and we all got, as fans in our little bubble, we were like, oh wait, Cyprus and Eleni and Fuego, this is going to, actually, when you take a step back, you know, what's the first song that made you go, that's the winner? And yeah, I think, you know, for me personally, it was Bulgaria and Iceland. And then as time transpires, it's like, no, I think now that we've had time to think about it a little bit more, think about things a bit more. Um, yeah. But Brilliant. Uh, yeah, no, definitely. Iceland, we would be going to Iceland next year. I'm pretty sure of that. I think it's more than just the hype that something like Toy had, or even, you know, the hype that something like Diva had back in the day. Um, because this really took off. I mean, this really went viral on social media and the support was coming from a lot of unlikely places. This wasn't just a buzz in the fandom. This was a buzz in the real world. Um, And that just doesn't really happen at Eurovision. And I mean, I think it would have been exciting still on the night, even though it was clearly going to be the favourite I think it would have still been exciting to see actually is it going to make it so even if you've got something that you think is such a dead cert it's not a dead cert until the night as we saw with the Finnish cherry and the Finnish selection this year when everybody thought that Erica Vickman was going to walk it and she didn't in the end yeah so yeah who can say but, you know, just uh, in line of how we're doing things on the podcast, let's, let's have a little play of Dathy Freya and uh, think about things. Do you know, Dathy is a winner anyway, because he's got a hit out of this, he's got attention, he's got gigs all over Europe coming up uh, next year, fingers crossed that, you know, we'll be able to get back to gigs by then. So he's, you know, the the effect that you might have hoped to doing Eurovision would give you, he's got. You know, there's no crowned winner this year, but it almost doesn't matter because, you know, he's got, I think, what he went in to the contest for. He's never had more people listening to his music right now. Yeah, that's brilliant. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But there were other songs that took place in this national final, ones that didn't win, and that's what we're interested in. So let's have a little look at these songs. Now song one, we want to play you. What do what have we selected, Monty? Um the first one is called Al Mikri, a Total Eclipse, and it's by Dimmer. Oh, my God. 
I don't know about you, but this one leaves me a little bit cold. I don't... It's on account of it not being my style of music and kind of plays into my suspicions that maybe it isn't the greatest representative of its genre, like its type of music. Mm -hmm. So it's not heavy metal, really. Um, it's kind of metal light, I suppose. I don't know. My my, I can't call genres as well as other people. I'm not really uh, that afraid of everything. But it is very Icelandic. It's very Iceland. And I'll always, always welcome songs like this into any national Eurovision selection um, because I kind of like to have these different sounds and different genres. But this, for me, didn't have the energy that I would want from something like this. So, yeah, a little bit meh for me I would call it rock that's a suitably wider of genre I think we <laughs> yeah. just want to do. there's what a guitar need, see, it is rock <laughs> what we need is a working knowledge of the um, the Delaney decibel system for music classification yeah. <laughs> because Roy Delaney would have this down to a, a T for exactly what genre it is um I don't mind this actually. It's got a, it's it's a very traditional rock verse to it, but actually by the time you get to the chorus, it's um it's a bit more melodic, um and that kind of you know softens it for the more tender ear <laughs> like mine. <laughs> um, but I yeah, it's um I mean it's difficult to say really, isn't it? I mean it's nice that it's there. I like the diversity that a song like this brings to a national selection even if I don't necessarily um, like the the song itself. What I do like in this is the two guitarists and the drummer. I would like to closer look at them. <laughs> <laughs> That's where our mind goes when, the, when we, we looked at the artist, we looked at the song, the staging, what next? Oh, look, pretty boys. Uh, I mean, you know, our minds go there probably before we get to that stage, <laughs> let's be honest. But um, yeah, I mean, it's okay. There wasn't very much enthusiasm in the audience, it felt. Although, this was massive, because this actually, it, it, out, it outperformed Dathi Freya in the first semi-final. Dathi was in the second, but this got more votes in the first semi-final than he got in the second semi-final and actually in the in the final this was the song that got to the super final with him and the you know it got it got a fair amount of votes yeah. it got in the two rounds of votings it got 80,000 votes and Dathi Frey got 118,000 now that's well in front but still that's a you know it's not a it's not a far run thing no I'm quite. I'm a bit surprised, but I'm you know I'm glad that I'm proven wrong. People like it or did like it, just not mm. enough. So it's got fewer than seven thousand views on YouTube though. So that maybe says that people voted it, but it was a, a momentary thing, and they haven't gone back to or watch it, it again. Yeah, or it was a down vote for Daffy because you don't want Daffy to win, so you you vote for the alternative. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that could explain it. Actually, yeah. yeah, that would maybe be uh that would be an explanation that fits with the number of views it's had. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on swiftly, uh, and the second song is "Drema," which is "Dream" by Matty Matt. Give it good. 
Monty, what do you reckon? Well, Matty Matt, <laughs> I, um, yeah, I mean, I quite like this. It's, uh, I mean, it's, it's a bit schmaltzy, but it's actually quite a nice enough ballad. Um, I was wondering what the title meant, so I had to, I, I thought it meant dream, but I just checked it. So the lyrics go, um, if life was a song, oh, who would sing it? Who has a voice which fits which fits this occasion? Well, Matty Matt clearly thinks he does. I mean, he's uh, he's singing there, but then he's singing. It's almost a little bit sort of existential about his quest to win because the song is singing. Will this voice get to sing? Will my song get to resonate? Well, no, it didn't. As it <laughs> happens, but I don't know. I mean, I, I I actually on my notes have quoted some lyrics as well, but just the end when it finishes with. Will this voice get to sing? Will my song get to resonate? I allow myself to dream. I took a softer feel from that. Like, it was about an inner strength and finding your own voice and finding your own way and you do you, girl. You know, that sort of thing. But um, it didn't make a final. So, yeah, it didn't get voted up. But uh, we didn't choose it just because it's Matty Matt and not just because he's got a bearish look about him and, you know... Yeah, you fancy it, don't you? A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. I'll give him a cuddle. Um, The song doesn't have the greatest hook. You're right. There's not a huge amount here. And I'd say it's probably on the more dated side rather than retro side. Um, But there is a truth to this performance. And maybe I'm thinking about the backstory of, you know, he was part of the group that went to Eurovision. Is it 2011? um, Sonny's Friends. Yeah. Yeah. So that group where an artist was going to go to, or someone who was the lead singer of the group, was it? Or No, he was on his own. Sorry, on his own. He was going to go to Eurovision. And then he unfortunately died before he got that chance. And then his friends and family got together and formed the group. And they went on his behalf, basically, which is kind of a really sweet story. I think the Euphoria podcast, Isabel and Roland, they tell that story, that whole story. And it's really lovely. So um, check that out. But uh, yeah. And they were very lovely in... Uh, Dusseldorf as well. It was really, it was quite poignant when you knew the backstory. I think it didn't really work in the competition because, you know, it had the backstory and all the the sympathy and empathy in Iceland. And as fans, we knew it. But, you know, that's a difficult thing to convey to the audience for whom this is just the next song. Yeah, you're, Um, you're, you're relying on commentators before the announcement, you know, to announce that before the song is played or after the song or something, just to try and garner some votes. So, yeah, we, we thought we'd throw it in because, you know, it's from the semi-final and it actually it was quite a good song. It was just a bit bland. So song three in the podcast this week is called Oculus Videre, The, the Eye Sees, and it's sung by Eva. Well, someone's clearly taken an acting class because she was given a very particular stare at us in the camera. (laughs) Um, I thought it was a bit weird. And this is not the first, and it won't be the last time that I'll say this, but this was kind of style over substance for me. The staging is the best thing about this, first of all. So I can see that if it did go to Eurovision, 
how they could have kind of built it up and made a big bit more of it it could be staged to a bit you know a more maximum effect on a bigger stage but it just didn't it was just a weird repetitive song which i can't recall um yeah sort of the look and feel overrun what's essentially a very nondescript song um it seemed to have a lot of support in the room though and it came third and was very close to coming second almost reaching that super final so again people liked it what about you well i think the staging is the most interesting thing about it i mean it's all sort of it's done you know all mystical and ethereal like and she's there in the middle of a stage flanked by four singers they've all got white flowing gowns there's this sort of there's pattern going on with a triangle with a circle in it like this all-seeing eye which ties in with the 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 title and she's wearing a sort of crown of painted twigs kind of thing that you know five-year-old might make for a christmas table decoration um the lyrics are i mean they're a load of guff they really are it's you know guff (laughs) about oh good and bad and there's 2000 years or in the past well actually more than 2000 years if you you know frame it in a different belief system and actually the presentation is far more pagan than it is mm. christian based so you know the the christian time frame seems a little bit odd there but it's all you know it's it's kind of creating this sort of you know there's like the storms brewing at high seas the god the gods are looking down on the the play is coming to an end the messenger already said it's so i mean it's like end of times armageddon second coming rapture boom there you go are we missing the point here? Is it like a Greek tragedy? You know, is it like that sort of, I don't know. It's a bit tragic. Like uh, like, like that, it's got that operatic feel, you know, how everything's overblown. Mm. Maybe they were trying to hit that note, that register, but... Like the sort of, the classics brought to the stage, or... I don't know, I just can't, I just, I just don't, because I so don't get what they were doing, it makes me think that I'm clearly, I'm missing something. I don't know. I mean, it's it is all a bit weird. And then this gets to the end, and she raises the staff that she's been holding, and she mumbles a something symbolic, um, which, if you translate it, says, "Actually, that's all I have to say." <laughs> <laughs> which is, um, yeah, is just about all I have to say. Although I will say one more: she is apparently she's a Dutch Icelandic. Okay. Yeah. So she's got uh, dual um, dual heritage. Born in Reykjavik, grew up in Amsterdam, moved back to Iceland, and now she studies in Rotterdam. So I don't... Maybe they were just trying to, you know, save on the accommodation costs. Yeah. <laughs> you know, put her up in her own flat while she's there. Why not? Use it. But she uh, didn't get through. No. I mean, we might see her next year. You know, if she yeah. offers that bargain bucket offer to them if she's still in Rotterdam we might well see you I've still got my dress guys (laughs) (laughs) so we'll move on then from that and the fourth song is Echo by Nina Well, this was the wild card. 
So what happens in the Icelandic selection is there's five songs in each semi-final. Two get through automatically to the final uh, based on the voting. And then one is chosen as the wild card to get the fifth slot in the final. And this is the one that got it. And I think it deserved it, actually. It's quite a nice yeah. little... I mean, it's very light, but it's a very nicely presented song. It's, you know, it's, it's quite jolly. A little bit of pyro in it as well, just to bring it to life a bit. I was listening to it, though, before we um, did the podcast, just as a refresh. And I remember thinking, has this started again? Is it is it got on a loop? Um, and I thought it had been playing more than three minutes, but it hadn't. It's just a little bit repetitive by the time it gets to the end. So it was, a, yeah, it's quite a long three minutes, but it's not an unpleasant three minutes. No, it's a very competent performance. We said a couple of weeks ago that, I think it was a song in Finland, where that there was a, some songs are like a this Nordic sound where Nordic pop, like a Robin track. And this is kind of, this is another one of those, which is like a Robin album, album track. Um, but I did, but I did quite like this. I, I feel like her vibrato, she nails that. I, lo- I love her voice actually. It's, it's um, every single camera shot was hit, which wasn't the case for a lot of these performances actually. I feel like she, she hit everything right. A bit of armography. Mm-hmm. Everyone loves a bit of armography. Never goes amiss. Good. And uh, a beautifully simple white dress, actually. I quite like that. At first I was like, oh my God, it's a mummy. But uh, it's not. It's just, <laughs> it just, just folds. Solid, solid entry. And, just, uh, and I got a, a touch of the, you know, Sanna Nielsen did um, my, um, Undo My Sad. Mm-hmm. Uh, I kind of got a little bit of the, uh, the Swedish entry from 2015, 14, 15. I got a touch of that when one of the lyrics, she says, I really need to know, do you hear echo? I was like, yes, yes, I do. Like yodeling up the canyon of love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But like, I really need to know, do you hear echo? I'm just like, wow, that's deep. Steep girl. <laughs> but no, I, I really quite like this song. Yeah, and so much so that I've just added it to my playlist because I feel like I didn't give it the chance it deserved the first oh. time around. So yeah, personally. Well, that's what this show is all about. is it? Absolutely. So song five is called Meet Me Halfway and it's by Isold and Helga. Really quite like this. I so they were put together before the show. I think the broadcaster or the whole management team, some kind of put them together when, when they had a song. Or the songwriters. I think it's gonna be a male singer, didn't quite work. It was like mm, doesn't work, it's gonna need a female voice, and then anyway. Long story short, they came together. We'll put a link in the show notes to this cute interview they did with um Joey from ESC Plus. Um, it's really cute. They kind of kind of apologise for their English, even though their English is absolutely fine. And they just they seem really lovely girls, actually. When faced with a song that is a bit 
like we've seen it all before, it's a bit of a tired genre. I tend to lean away and I look, you know, I tend to look for something a little bit more modern or a point of difference. But this got me from the start, the way it started, begins very still, tranquil, then it kind of slowly builds and gets going. And I quite like symmetry. So the fact you've got, it's meet me halfway, it's two women on stage. They kind of kind of mirror each other in their movement. Um, you've got four backing vocalists that appear on stage and they're kind of very symmetrically in line with everything. It's just like my OCD's appeased when I watch this performance. <laughs> but um, good song. I really, yeah, I'm, again, I, this is on my playlist, my personal playlist. I love it. It's um, nice, just a nice bit of pop. I mean, I can't add much to that, really. I think... It, it, I agree. It's a really nice, pleasant song. It kind of it's a it's a bit unassuming, I think, and it builds very, very gently. I mean, it it never gets to a sort of a frantic pace or anything. It's a very gentle song. It's very contained within itself. But there is a lovely lilting quality to their voices, and the harmonies work really well. There's a bit of contrast with the symmetry as well because they're, I mean they're both in sort of sequined outfits they're slightly different one's in purple pants and a jacket um, and she's drawn the long straw there as <laughs> opposed to the other one who's got this silver sequined outfit with sort of you know puffy sleeves and yeah not quite sure? sure that that works I think um, yeah it's not quite shouldn't quite pull it off but I mean that's a little quibble really you know and had this got selected it would have um, styling or consulting yeah. would have been sorted out by then but no it's a really it's a really little joyful song you know yeah I'm, I'm more happy with that mm-hmm. yeah thanks for coming guy <laughs> <laughs> So there we go. That's the five songs that we have chosen to highlight for you this episode. So now it's time for our weekly feature, Matt and Monty's Good Thing of the Week. That is good. Matt and Monty's Good Thing of the Week. That is good. It's good. Oh, that's good, that is. <laughs> I don't think I'm ever going to not laugh at that. <laughs> Our good thing of the week that is good. This is the part of the show where we just want to highlight something that is positive. Uh, it's made us smile, it's made us laugh. We think is throwing a bit of nice energy out into the fandom. And there's only really one thing that we could talk about this week. And, oh, how coincidental. It ties in with the Icelandic theme. <laughs> it is the Eurovision movie that's been released on Netflix this week, Eurovision Song Contest, The Story of Fire Saga. The Story of Fire Story, basically. <laughs> That's what saga means. The story oh, yeah. The story of Fire Story. <laughs> it's a bit more involved in a story, though, isn't it? It's sort of, so, you know, it's a, something which is, you know, lasting a long time. Yeah. This is over two hours. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, you know, so we, we've been, we've known for a while that this song was going to, that song, this movie was going to come out. We knew ages ago they were filming all in Tel Aviv last year. Significance filming, actually, because when you saw, when you're press at Eurovision, you get like a press, you know, pr- schedule of what's, when rehearsals are taking place and stuff. And Netflix were on there every bloody day, it seems. So they did a hell of a lot of filming. And the reason why that's good is because you've got some of the great shots in the film but also because the people filming were then amongst 
people at Eurovision, fans, production, crew, artists. So they kind of got a flavour of it. So I quite like that. Now, Monty, what do you, let's go back, you know, for people who haven't seen it, we don't want to give away any spoilers, but what was your sort of impression of the film and your non-spoilery type review of it? Well, I, I have to say, I went in with as open a mind as I could, because when I heard that this was going to happen, and I think we first heard about it in Lisbon, um, yeah. Will Ferrell was there, um, and there were rumours that this was going ahead, and I didn't want to leap to a conclusion, but it wasn't the kind of thing I thought, no, it's not... Not that I didn't have confidence in it. It's the kind of thing that could go badly wrong. And the consequences of that could be damaging for new fans of the contest. Or the reputation of the contest where it's worked so hard to change the perspective of what it is. And is really winning people around now. Um, So I I was a little bit worried in terms of what impact it would have. But actually, it's a really quite joyful film. You know, they don't take the piss out of the contest. It's um, it's not taking itself seriously. It's tongue-in-cheek, but it's not... The, the joke is not at the expense of the show. I mean, it, it's, you know, it, essentially, it's a flimsy quest story, a bit of a rom-com, and it just happens to be set around the Eurovision Song Contest. It's not a documentary of the Song Contest. If you come at it looking for that, you're going to be sorely disappointed. But if you come at it looking for that kind of, you know, couple of hours of escapism, it's really, really quite quite fun. Yeah. I think, you know, is this the Eurovision film that we really desperately want to be made? No. However, you know from the start that it's a Will Ferrell film. So you know what you're going to get. What, what you can't expect... You know, something completely out of his wheelhouse. It's Will Ferrell. It's going to be Blades of Glory and Anchorman, but probably not as good. And that's essentially what it is. But you're right. I watched this and I was like, I'm going to watch this. I'm going to have to keep an open mind. It's going to be fun. Just fingers crossed. They're not going to kind of take the piss. And they didn't. And you're right. There was that. They walked a tight line of taking the mick, being very tropey, being very um, stereotypical. I'm not sure some of the Icelandic people were sort of portrayed in the most (laughs) (laughs) those accents (laughs) I mean my goodness I'd rather Piers Brosnan would have sung than spoke in that Icelandic accent well careful I won't go that far but yeah but you know but you know it it was fun and it's and and you're right it was a film centred around the thing that we love and it kind of didn't take the piss everyone's talking about obviously that song along mid mid segment Mm -hmm. where we saw people that was quite nice. I felt like there was a missed opportunity there. It could have been better in terms of the songs they've chosen. Mm-hmm. It was very much that pitch perfect vibe, you know, glee, sing along. Um, I think they could have maybe thrown in a few Eurovision songs. But it could exactly. it could have been kind of yeah. so cool and still had the same effect. But that's fine. You know, they, they decided to do that. But um, yeah, I, I, I just think it's a not a great film, but it's a great couple of hours just to sit and just oh I would say laugh I'm not sure I laughed though it, oh I laughed out loud at a few times well, I mean, really genuinely laughed um, out loud I'm not so sure I mean the only time when he was trying to like there's a bit where he kind of has to make himself look like he's got a larger manhood than he actually has that's quite funny I feel like it's more of a comic film rather than a funny film with the difference mm-hmm. being that funny is laugh out loud and comic is just like mm, okay mm-hmm. that's kind of like 
cheeky. So a lot of there's a lot of people hate it. You know, I've seen a lot of stuff online. As, as we were going to get, we're going to get people hating it online. But this segment is all about positivity, and we just think that it's nice that it's been recognised. It's nice it's been done in a pretty much loving way. And the music isn't particularly great, but there is one song out of it that I think, no, two songs that are going to kind of have a bit of an impression. The first one is Beautific, which I think is a lovely little song, very much in the same sort of area as if you've seen The Greatest Showman, um, some of the songs from The Greatest Showman, where it's kind of that ballady, you know, kind of overblown ballad. And then the other song, which is going to be in the Euro Club, it's going to be at the parties, it's going to be played now. So at least we've got this from the, from the film. And that is Ya Ya Ding Dong, which is like the most <laughs> crazy. Like, okay, this is where this is where I think they've done perfect. They've created a song, put it in the movie, and that is going to get played at all the Eurovision parties and stuff like that. It's a crappy sort of fun, dated you know, version of what Eurovision songs may have been at a point in time. And it's absolute gold. I love it. I like the bits where you've got performances on the actual Eurovision stage from Tel Aviv. I think that's one of the strong points because I think in Eurovision now, the contest has moved along because the visual is so entertaining. And you've got the most amazing stages that artists are ever going to perform on in their lives. So the fact that you've got a real Eurovision stage in a real Eurovision arena with a real Eurovision crowd, albeit, you know, filmed during the rehearsals, is really a very, very strong factor for the movie. I think as well that the fact that there are lots of Easter eggs for fans in there, there's lots of nods to previous performances, there's all those cameo roles that you say, um, and there's just a lot to find and discover in it as a fan. But I've also been impressed by how many of my non-fan friends have messaged me this week to say, oh, we watched it and we really, really loved it. You know, there's something about this which is appealing. And it's number one on Netflix. It's been number one on Netflix in the States. Yeah. And I think this might be one of the reasons why the EBU was so behind it, to try and push Eurovision in the States. And also the fact that, you know, they'd sold the rights to the format to America as well. Yeah. Um, so there's the potential... It's supposedly going to happen, but, you know, we said this about Asia Vision, that there's going to be a North American version of Eurovision. So it ties in very nicely with that. But, I mean, to see this week lots of, you know, I mean, explainer articles in, you know, the New York Times and all of these, you know, US publications, there's something very... It fills me with joy to see that because it just... You just feel, if this got the American audience, this could be a real tipping point for Eurovision. It would be amazing. Absolutely. And the thing is, you know, um, yeah, you're right. People like Shea Coulee, which is a very well-known drag queen in the US, um, for those who don't know, drag race queen, tweeted about it. it was like, I think tweeted about singing Ya Ya Ding Dong. And I just think, when you've got people like that, I just they, we're, we're onto something. So maybe that's to kind of like just embrace it and see what happens. And yeah. And yeah, next time Ya Ya Ding Dong comes on, I'm going to be there swinging my ding dong. <laughs> now, a few people have said about the inaccuracies that are in the film. 
And, you know, first of all, I want to say, you know, bugger up your arse and... You know. No film is accurate. No <laughs> exactly. film is it's ever artistic license. You know, there are a little. You know, there are things like having voting in the semi-final. Yes. You know, you kind of think, well, that's something basic. You probably could have got that right, but actually, you need to portray the voting at some point in the film, and when it gets to the sequence of the final, I'm not going to spoil what happens, but there is a reason that the result is not shown on screen yes. as it happens. So that's why there's a bit of artistic license with that. But I mean, really, if you're coming to this to nitpick about a bit of artistic license, then, you know, forget it. Look, I'm, I, I'm a writer. I'm a script writer. That's what I did at university. I'm, I'm a script writer. So I, I looked at that and I'm like, mm. God, it's terrible. But I still loved it. Like, just mm-hmm. sit back, have a cup of tea, pour yourself a strong gin and just... Just enjoy it because it is fun and there's a truth to it. It's quite a sweet film in the end, and just definitely watch it, watch it, watch it. And how nice that we've been able to talk so positively about it. Ironically, for longer than we probably talked about the Icelandic songs. That's true. But there you go. It's an unexpected hit for me. Eurovision Song Contest, the story of Fire Saga, the movie out now on Netflix. And no, we're not getting paid to promote this. Although, if you would like to, thanks, please. Thank you, please. (laughs) Fabulous. So, there you have it. Matt and Monty's Good Thing of the Week. That is good. Matt and Monty's Good Thing of the Week. That is good. It's good. Oh, that's good, that is. And so, yes, we've gone on long enough now. You want to know who we have selected as the Icelandic cherry. And really, I think, if I remember rightly, if my brain is working properly, this was pretty much everyone voted for this in the team. And so our selection this week is Meet Me Halfway by Isol and Helga. Or Isol Och Helder. So yeah, for the reasons that we gave, really, we felt like it was nice, solid entry, fun. I'm happy the symmetry makes me very happy. <laughs> but I also think you know, cherry team. We we do tend to at the moment tend to sort of slide towards the more traditional sounding songs, and this has got kind of a national final from a Nordic nation sort of feel to it. So we felt like this has its place in the second cherry song contest. Yes, I think it's probably fair enough to say that the right song definitely won in the song for Kepning this year. Oh God, absolutely! You know, I think there's no this, this will win your No, there's no denying that Iceland chose the right song. But of the rest, this is the one that was the most popular amongst the team, and this is our Icelandic second cherry. So that's Iceland for you. 
Please do get in touch with us. You can follow us on all the social media. So on Twitter, we're at Second Cherry. On Instagram, we're Second underscore Cherry. And on Facebook, we are Second Cherry Podcast. And don't forget, you can email us if you want to let us know what you think. That email address is... Hello. At secondcherry.vision. That's hello at secondcherry.vision. Please do drop us a line. Please do, because I've been looking at the stats, Monty, for the people that listen and download our podcast, and there are a load of you in Australia, there are a load of you in the US, I want to hear from you guys, why are you listening to us? Genuine question. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, why are you listening to us? (laughs) I also know where you are, so I know we've got a big following in California. Oh, well, I say big. Look at yeah. us, West Coast gays. Yeah. Eh? <laughs> Anyone in West Hollywood? No? <laughs> um, no, no, write in and we'll read it out because we just want to start a conversation. It'd be fun. It'd be nice to kind of have other voices other than ours. Blimey, can you imagine? And uh, yeah, so that yeah, that's our episode for the week. Quite enjoyed that one. Don't know about you. Mm, that was fun. Yeah. So um, should we announce what we're doing next week? Yeah, go on. Okay. Well, next week we're going to be travelling to... Israel and their national final. Israel's next song for Eurovision. You know, weirdly, that's that's what they called it. Yeah, yeah. So does what it says on the tin. Right. Go. Join us next week for Israel. We will see you then. Bye. Bye.